today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Christianity is rational. It's reasonable. It's rooted in historical fact. So it's okay to have questions as long as they're genuine questions and as long as you are truly putting forth the effort to find the answers to those questions. Thomas had questions. Thomas had doubts. And Thomas was one of the twelve. I mean, he's not some third-string hack, right? He's one of the twelve apostles. Doubt is a natural part of the faith process. Some take more convincing than others, but all of us go through that stage at some point. As Pastor Dan will encourage us in today's message, that's okay. Doubts can cripple and cause problems. But if you come to God honestly, as the Apostle Thomas did, he's ready to respond. It generally won't be as tangible as it was for Thomas, but if your eyes and hearts are open, you'll be able to see God demonstrating His power and love all around you. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 20 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. You live in the same world I live in, you read the same news I read, we're getting close, I would say. And because we're getting close to the end, it's all the more important for us to gather together with other believers to encourage each other in the faith. It can get very discouraging, can it, just reading the news. And we need, we need the fellowship. We need to be gathering together as often as we can to encourage one another. Thomas was a no-show. Don't be a Thomas. Thomas was a no-show that night, and he missed out on something really amazing that everybody else got to experience. Verse 25 tells us, the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And I'm sure they did tell Thomas that. I'm sure that was all they talked about, was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure they talked about that nonstop. They were excited to talk about the Lord and the resurrection, but we're told here that Thomas didn't believe them. He didn't believe them. I find that interesting because, uh, you know, these are, these are not uh, strangers to Thomas. It's not just some stranger standing on a street corner holding up a hand-painted sign about Jesus and the resurrection that Thomas is dismissing. These are his close friends. These are, these are like family to him. These are people that he has spent the last three and a half years of his life with day and night. These are people that love him and these are people that that care for him. And yet Thomas still didn't believe what they said. Maybe you have someone in your family that uh, you have shared Christ with. You love them. You care for them. You want them to experience the, the joy of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And they just don't receive it. They don't want to hear it. Thomas here, he, he was a very adamant about his unbelief. He, he said in verse 25, look what it says. In verse 25, uh, he, he said, Unless I see in his hands 
the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And when Thomas said, I will not believe, in the Greek it means, I will never by no means believe. Unless I see and touch the nail holes in his hand, put my hand in in the wound in his side, there's absolutely no way I will believe Jesus is resurrected from the dead. No matter what you guys say you saw, no matter what you all try to tell me and convince me of, I'm never going to believe it unless I see him and touch him for myself. Thomas wanted physical proof. And, and, And Thomas was sincere And what he said, he's not just making an excuse, he's genuine. He genuinely wanted to know the truth about Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Sometimes people aren't really sincere when they uh, they reject Jesus. Uh, Sometimes it's just kind of a smokescreen they're putting up, and and maybe they make some kind of ridiculous demand of God. Well, if, if Jesus wants me to know him, he can just appear in my bedroom, you know, and then I'll believe. Uh, or, the, or they ask some, you know, uh, theological question that has no real answer to it. You know, well, where did, you know, where did whatever, you know, where did uh, Cain get his wife? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, and, and, and then they act as if, since you can't answer my question, well, then I'm off the hook uh, as far as accountability to God goes until somebody can answer this question that is keeping me awake at night, you know, about the pygmies in Africa kind of thing. I'm so concerned about them. If you're so concerned about it, move there, right? Do something about it. Well, I don't want to do that. But that wasn't Thomas. Thomas uh, was, was genuine. He, he really wanted to know. We know that because of the way he responded when he finally saw the resurrected Jesus. He wasn't just making excuses. He really wanted to know the truth about the resurrection. He really wanted proof beyond any doubt. And maybe you're a Thomas. Maybe you're a Thomas here today. Maybe you have questions about Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not fully convinced about Jesus Christ and who He is. Maybe you're not fully convinced that the Bible is the Word of God, but, but you're, you're open, you really want to know, you're genuinely seeking the truth. That's okay. That's okay if you have questions. If they're real questions, if they're honest questions. God can handle your questions. If you really want to know the truth. God will reveal the truth to you. If you really want answers to your questions, God will reveal, reveal the answers. He, he wants you to know Him. He wants you to know His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to know who He is. He wants you to know the truth. He wants you to know the truth about yourself and your life. He wants you to know the truth about eternity. He wants you to know the truth about why He died on the cross to save you. In Isaiah, God says, come, let's reason together. Right? He invites us to come and reason together with Him and work through these things for the answers. And God has answers. You know, God doesn't ask us to just take a leap into the dark. You know, Sometimes that's what people think of with a leap of faith. It's just this, this leap into darkness. No, it's a leap into light. You know, Christianity is rational. It's reasonable. It's rooted in historical fact. So it's okay to have questions as long as they're genuine questions and as long as you are truly putting forth the effort to find the answers to those questions. 
Thomas had questions. Thomas had doubts. And Thomas was one of the 12. I mean, he's not some third string hack. Right? He's one of the 12 apostles. Uh, as, as Gail Irwin says, he's one of the apostles, not one of the B-apostles. Right? I mean, St. Thomas has an island named after him in the Caribbean, yet he had the doubts. He's got questions. So Thomas again says in verse 25, Hey, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails. By the way, this is the only place that tells us Jesus was crucified with nails. Only place in all the Bible. The Romans crucified people with nails, but they also at times would tie people to a cross. Sometimes you see paintings or drawings of Jesus depicted that way where he's tied to the cross. He was nailed to the cross, not tied to the cross. Unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. There's no way I'm going to believe. Now look at verse 26. Notice the phrase. It says, after eight days. So for eight days, all the disciples talked about was seeing the resurrected Jesus. Nonstop, morning, noon, and night. And for that same eight days, all Thomas said was, I don't believe you. I don't believe you saw him. You may be hallucinated or something, but I don't believe that you saw Jesus. It, whatever you saw, it wasn't the resurrected Jesus. And this conversation went on among the disciples for eight days. And maybe at some point throughout that week, Thomas said, well, why hasn't he appeared again? It's been four days since you saw him. Why hasn't he appeared again? Now it's been five days. Now it's been six days. Where is he? You guys said he's alive. I haven't seen him. A week's gone by. So verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, gathered together in that same house. And this time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. This is just like his first appearance the week before. The disciples were locked in the house. Jesus appeared in the midst of them and greeted them with peace, with shalom. This visit, though, seems to be specifically for Thomas's benefit. Because verse 27 says, Then Jesus said to Thomas, So he turns to Thomas. And he, now watch what he says. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Several things I want to point out with this, uh, with this verse. First of all, this shows us that even though Jesus wasn't present with Thomas, he heard everything that Thomas said. Jesus hears everything. Jesus sees everything in your life. The Bible says nothing is hidden from his sight. The Bible says he even knows our thoughts. Not not just what we're saying, but what we're thinking, what we want to say. That we filter and we don't say. He sees it all. Now that may be terrifying to some of you, but I hope it's comforting to you as well to know that he knows everything about me. He sees everything going on in my life. He understands my thoughts. He understands my feelings. And that when I pray, I can, I can come to his throne of grace in my time of need 
and I can pour out my heart to him. And I don't have to try to fill him in on the backstory and explain all the players. And I don't try, I have to try to express what my feelings are to him and articulate what is going on in my heart or what is going on in my mind. He knows all of it. He understands it all. He sees it all. And I can just pour out my heart to him. You know, Jesus understands you better than anyone. Better than anyone. He understands you better than you understand yourself. <laughs> and he invites us to come to him and bring our, our, our burdens to him. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Secondly, I want you to notice here how Jesus responded to Thomas's unbelief. He didn't condemn Thomas for his doubts. He, he didn't kick him out of the apostles or excommunicate him. Uh, he didn't rebuke Thomas for saying he needed to touch his wounds before he could believe in the resurrection. Instead, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you need to touch my wounds, Thomas? That's, that's what you need to believe? Okay, well, here's my hand. Thomas, put your hand here on my side, in the wound in my side. If this, if this is what you need to be convinced that I'm really resurrected, okay. Do you, do you see how Jesus here really kind of condescended down to Thomas's level? And he met Thomas's needs. You know, he kind of met Thomas where, where he, he was on, on his terms. Again, Jesus wants you to believe the resurrection. He wants you to be fully convinced. He wants you to know without a doubt. And he, he does what is necessary to convince us that he is resurrected from the dead. If, if, again, if you're genuinely seeking Him, if you genuinely want to know Him, He, he even comes down to our level, meets us on, on our terms. He doesn't have to do that, you know, but He does, because He wants you to be convinced. Third, the passage shows us that the resurrected body of Jesus still bears in it the marks of the crucifixion. He still has the nail prints in his hands. He still has the nail prints in his feet. He still has the wounds, uh, the wound in his side. You know, the only thing in heaven that is man-made are the wounds in Jesus' body. That's the only thing that's going to be there that man created. The marks of his crucifixion and his, his death. In Revelation chapter 5, the Apostle John, he, he sees Jesus in heaven he describes Jesus as looking like a lamb as though it had been slain. So in heaven, Jesus still bears the marks 
of the crucifixion. You'll see those nail prints, those same nail prints that Thomas touched. You'll see those nail prints. You'll see the wound in his side. He's still going to have the marks of the crucifixion in his body. Now, why? Well, one reason could be so that we would have this, this reminder of his love for us. And that's why he died on the cross. He died because of his great love for us. That's why he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And so we'll have this physical reminder of his, his love for us. Those wounds will also remind us of the price he pay, paid to redeem us. Uh, when you're in heaven, you're, you're never going to forget how you got there. <laughs> Because he still has the wounds in his hands and his feet and the wound in his side. We'll be reminded that we're there only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, notice also, this is just kind of a Bible nerd thing. Uh, Notice also that the wound in his side was large enough for Thomas to fit his hand into. He says, put your hand in my side. So it must have been a pretty big wound that he had in his side. Again, there's no theological significance to that. It's not going to transform your life knowing that information. But now notice Thomas's response in verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. So Thomas went from doubting to worshiping, confessing that Jesus is God. And this is one of the clearest declarations of the deity of Jesus Christ in the Bible. Jesus was not merely a man. Uh, he, he was not only a prophet of God, as Islam teaches. Jesus is God. He's God. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Jesus is God. So God died on the cross. God shed his blood for you and for me. God offered himself in our place to rescue us from our sin. And notice also here that Jesus received Thomas's worship. He received Thomas's testimony. He, he didn't correct Thomas. He didn't say, Thomas, don't say I'm God. I'm not God. Thomas, that's blasphemy. He received the testimony of Thomas. You know, in Acts chapter 10 when Cornelius the centurion fell down at the feet of Peter and and took a posture of worship before Peter, Peter told him to get up. And Peter said, hey, whoa, 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 I'm just a man like you. Don't worship me. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, uh, when they were in the town of Lystra, uh, in Acts chapter 14, the people of Lystra tried to worship Paul and Barnabas as, as gods, And it says that Paul tore his clothes and he stopped the crowd and he cried out saying, don't do these things. We are men with the same nature as you. In Revelation chapter 22, John falls down at the feet of an angel to worship the angel. And the angel said to John, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. So elsewhere in the Bible, when you see people uh, that are worshipped that shouldn't be, they correct it. 
They say, don't do that. Only worship God. Here, Thomas worshiped Jesus and confessed his deity. He confessed Jesus as God. And Jesus didn't try to stop him. Because Jesus is God. It's appropriate. So that brings us to verse 29. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This was Jesus' last beatitude. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's you. That's me. There's a, there's a special blessing for us because we believe. Because we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he was raised again from the dead, and he's alive. Even though we have not seen him like Thomas, even though we haven't touched the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side, we, we believe based on the testimony of Scripture. We believe by faith, and the Lord promises a special blessing for us. Because we believe without seeing. There's a blessing in that. So verse 30, we have kind of this parenthetical statement at the end of the chapter. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Remember that when you're reading the Gospels. The Gospels only give us just a small sliver of all that Jesus did. All the miracles. In fact, in chapter 21, at the end of the Gospel of John, it says, if all the things that Jesus did were written down, that the world could not contain the volumes of books that would be written. So we just get this small little glimpse into all of the miracles. John tells us here in verse 30 that he recorded these particular miracles and these particular teachings of Jesus. He says in verse 31, that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the promised Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. And he's the Son of God, which means he is God. He's deity. He's God. And that believing you may have life in his name. You may have eternal life. So John, as he wrote his gospel, he's not just recording a biography about Jesus He's he's got a specific goal in mind. He's got an agenda in what he writes in this gospel. He's writing to show us and to prove to us that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. Hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about this coming one, this coming Savior, this Messiah. And he's also writing to demonstrate to us that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's God incarnate. And his His hope in writing this is that after reading the Gospel of John, we would believe on Jesus Christ and have eternal life. This is why he came. This is why he lived. This is why he died on the cross. This is why he was buried. This is why he was resurrected. To provide salvation for you and me so that we may have eternal life through him. He asked me how I That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continues his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the Gospel of John. If you'd like a copy of the message you just heard, you can find it on our website, calvaryec.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast on iTunes. 
That way you'll never miss an edition of this program. We'd love to hear from you here at Ring of Truth. Give us a call at 410-491-4592 or email us through our website, calvaryec.com. Let us know how you've been impacted by the ministry of Ring of Truth or how we can pray for you. If God's doing something wonderful in your life, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. Again, that's calvaryec.com. With that, we've come to the end of our program for today. Join Pastor Dan next time to continue studying God's Word, right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.